I'm John Chambers, and I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Chambers Talks. This is my quarterly LinkedIn podcast where I try to share common views with friends that I have in the industry that can help all of us to be better leaders and learn from both their successes and the challenges they faced in life. Uh, when you talk about tech disruptions, and I've always believed you focus on market transition and technology trends, there is no bigger tech disruption than the digitization and the impact the cloud is going to have on that. For me, I love the business outcomes that these new technologies uh, can result, not just for the companies involved, but for their customers and their direction. When you have a chance to talk to a leader who has seen this from so many different angles, there's no one that I think understands more about the direction of the cloud technology and leadership at the CEO level than Thomas Curian. Uh, he's been a friend for many years. Uh, I followed his uh, career at Oracle, where he was there for 22 years, led a team of 35,000 software development uh, engineers, reported to Larry Ellison, who's a, who's a good friend in Cats there. I love how Oracle has reinvented themselves again and again. And before Oracle, uh, you were at McKinsey, uh, and you consulted in the technology industry and helped business leaders make their transitions. So we, you now have, you're the CEO of Google Cloud. So when we talk about educating people on a digital transformation, talking about how do you constantly re-innovate, especially for a company who's been very successful, like Oracle was, and constantly reinventing themselves, and like Google is clearly today, and yet still reinventing themselves. And what role will the cloud play in the future of technology direction? What role will startups play in innovation with existing large companies? And is culture really an important element of leadership? I clearly believe that it is. But today, Thomas, I want to thank you for joining us. And thank you for taking the time on the podcast. Thank you for having me, John. It's great to be here. It'll be a pleasure. So let me start off with one that uh, I think is, is right in your sweet spot. Uh, when you think about the top lessons you've learned from the experiences I just described to the listeners, how do you identify technology transitions and how do companies lead to those transitions, especially companies like a Oracle and now like a Google that have been very successful? And yet, if you don't disrupt yourself, others will. How do you approach that? You know, it's an interesting, it's a great question. I think the approaching technology transition consists of two basic elements. One is looking at where a new technology that's emerging may fundamentally improve the way that somebody does something that a company does something. An example is, you know, the use of artificial intelligence. People say, where is that going and how is that, um, how is AI helping? And AI is helping in many ways today. You know, we were working with a number of companies to put in place quality inspection and manufacturing lines because we wanted to allow cameras and image processing to let people be able to do quality inspection without having people stand next to each other, which in this pandemic is obviously complicated to do quality inspection. That was based on a long-term view of what can machine learning do and AI do in a fundamental way? So understanding that. The second is really listening to customers. You know, customers often express and tell you what they want but they don't really tell you what they need because they are sometimes constrained in their mind based on what technology they perceive is available to them. And so, but listening really deeply, 
understanding what problem they're trying to solve is often an eye-opener for a way to apply or innovate or create a new technology. And to us, it's that combination of looking at long-term trends, understanding what people really need, and bringing that together through a new technology breakthrough, and then identifying all the other elements to make it approachable, acceptable, easy to deploy, easy to consume for people. All of those are critical elements to navigate this. Completely agree. And, and I think it, it, it really uh, begs the question that cloud, in my opinion, has been the technology, and I'm biased here, the first one since the internet that really has completely transformed business, much like I was fortunate enough at Cisco to watch. Cloud is now the next frontier, and it will change every aspect of business. Uh, you alluded to how you help your customers by listening to them take this technology and change their business results. How are you leading that uh, as CEO of Google Cloud? How do you take this concept, which is fascinating? Everybody says, I've got to be in the cloud. I've got to be digital. And how do you translate that through to outcomes? How, how are you approaching it as, as leader of this transition? You know, it's a great question. We see, you know, digitization fundamentally is different in every industry. Each organization thinks about it differently. In, e in retail, people think digitization is e-commerce. In financial services, they think of it as a branchless bank and an all-digital experience for their customers. In, you know, healthcare, people think of it as telemedicine. The, that's the sort of creating a digital front door so that an organization can reach its consumers or its business clients. Now, behind it, there are many things that are required to make that possible. So as, I'll take it as an example. John, I'm sure you buy things online, have it shipped to your home. Other people order online, but they want to deliver it to the retail store so they can drive by and pick up. You know, one of the things that digital does is it makes in retail, as an example, inventory much more fluid because it used to be that people went to the store to buy the thing. Now they go to the store to order the thing, but then they have it shipped home. They order something at home but want to pick it up in the store. Inventory has become much more fluid. So people, as that digital front door grows, they now need to change their supply chain inventory management and all the other systems that sit behind it. And so that's the sort of second phase in the maturity curve of dealing with this digital disruption. And then obviously with the pandemic, you know, suddenly people had to transition to work from home. Just to give you an example, uh, we have over 240 million people running over 7.5 billion meetings a day on our platform. Right. And Something that, you know, sitting in January, I bet you no need, I certainly did not expect that that will be the case. So yes. these are all things that digital is now a critical enabler for business and cloud makes it simple for people to be able to get this technology and use it to transform their business. And, and maybe this is your McKinsey background, then Oracle and now Google, but you hit on the key issue. Every CEO in America wants to do innovation. Every one of them wants to uh, become a digital company. But how do you translate that desire to outcomes? And how do you simplify the concept of how the cloud enables them to come to those outcomes? You've touched on that, but if you could take it the next level deeper, how do sure. you personally approach it? 
both with your consultancy background, but now with your tremendous power of the technology uh, background with the Google Cloud. So we've, we've got a very specific approach that we use with clients at Google Cloud. We mm -hmm. call that a value engineering approach. And the idea is that when we look at a particular client, uh, we're going to focus very much on a particular problem or solution that they want, quantify the potential outcome they can get from it, identify how our technology can support it, and then we break that into specific milestones to make sure that both the client and us are able to achieve these outcomes. I'll give you a very specific example. Finding products online today is the number one issue that people have a hard time with. Um, you know, when, if, if you're in the retail industry, just using a common example, how do you know which store to go to find what product? And we came up with a technology that lets you very accurately identify how to find the product online. And we measured that with our clients and we said, a, a good return is if you see a 30 to 40% lift in the number of people who find your product online. And we can quantify that as a business benefit. It gives the client a good sense of, here's the results that I will get if I invest in the technology. It allows us both to have a common framework to work towards to get to mutual success. And to us, it's always been about, it's not just about the capability of the technology, but it's enabling that business outcome and making it possible for the customer who started the program to measure the result and feel compelled that they got an outcome that they wanted to achieve. You know, along that line, uh, and feel free to disagree at any time, and I, I want you really to do that very directly, no, no issues with that at all, because that's how uh, the listeners uh, benefit from our session. But my view is that many of the large companies have to innovate at a speed they've never done before. Many of them will get displaced in the next decade, regardless of how successful they are now. But one of the ways many of them will innovate is they'll do innovation internally, but they'll work with startups in a strategic way they've never done before. Yes. Now, I used to advise startups 10 years ago when I bought 180 of them at Cisco, you need to be part of a big company to really have an impact on other big companies. I'm not so sure today, but because the startups get measured by their venture capitalists and their investors on the results over five, seven, and 10 years, as opposed to this quarter and this year. And often right. they can attract the best and brightest that used to go to a McKinsey or a Cisco or an Oracle uh, into the startups with that type of attitude. How do you envision uh, Google Cloud working with startups and, and maybe just educate the group because you've seen this from so many different angles on what are the benefits of working with a startup and what are the pitfalls on both sides? Yeah, it's a great question. We work very closely with lots of startups, you know, um, because we see customers eventually look at cloud as what solution can you offer me? And in our view, the winning platforms are not just the one where the cloud provider offers solutions, but what's the ecosystem of solutions you can offer on top of the platform? So we work with startups in a variety of different technology fields uh, in specific segments, artificial intelligence, security, data analytics, specific industries, et cetera. And our model is really sharing success with the startup. 
you know, enabling them to scale their platform. For instance, many startups in the media business work with us and they want to be able to deliver their platform globally. And our goal is to help them do that, reduce risk of rolling out globally and make it simple for them to succeed in their mission, right? And so a lot of our work, what we've been fortunate at Google is that um, we have engineer to engineer collaboration with many startups because they really are more interested in getting technical ideas and getting advances in our platform to support the rollout. And it's been very, very, it's one of the very uh, important elements of what we've done that we're very proud of. The other thing, honestly, John, we're a much newer team at Google than other companies. You know, we've been in existence as a cloud organization for four to five years. Yes. Uh, you know, the, so it's a much newer organization. So we're applying a lot of the disruptor mindset even within our own organization because we want people to think creatively on what problems are people missing. A startup is always trying to find a new approach to a problem, a new way to disrupt the market. And we we do a lot of teaching of our own teams to think that way um, so that we're coming into the market with a new angle a new idea. And because we're a new organization, we have the luxury of being able to do that. You know, you've hit on a, a, a very uh, challenging issue. The most difficult company to change is one that is very successful. Yet you taught that at McKinsey. Then you did it at Oracle for 22 years uh, with you know, a, a great leader and, and Larry and, and staff were there, but also could be challenging occasionally uh, on it. Okay. Now you're doing it at Google. Uh, when I think of the role of the CEO uh, and your CEO of Google Cloud, the first is vision and strategy for your organization. The second is your leadership team that you build into that and periodically change. Third is your communication of all the above. And fourth is culture. How do you kind of think about that as a CEO? And perhaps especially on the culture piece, how do you evolve your culture and how important is it, in your opinion, of, of achieving your own business goals? John, you hit it spot on. You know, it's we had to be very strategic because we were entering the market. Uh, some people say late, um, but we were, when we entered the market, we had to be very specific on what areas of cloud technology are we going to focus on and which ones are we going to partner with? So that was the strategic element. We had to build a leadership team. I'm incredibly fortunate to have a great set of colleagues who lead the organization along with me. And there's some amazing talent we've been able to attract from across the industry. Now, culturally, Google was a very engineering-centric company. So it valued technology excellence and product excellence. And that's a wonderful thing. But we had to marry that with this notion of customer centricity. How do you make sure that we provide customers a great experience with our product? And so we changed what the norms of what we value to reflect customer centricity. And we spent a lot of time with our organization taking practical steps, for instance, taking our top three, 400 customers and having them have engineering sponsors so that our engineers could experience working with them much more directly. All of that step-by-step step, 
made the organization value this notion of customer empathy, customer centricity, while not giving up the great tradition of engineering excellence that Google has been known for. You know, it's it, it's a session I could go on for another hour or two. Uh, I try to keep the podcast to 10 to 15 minutes. This will be one of the longer ones because, candidly, it's really good. Uh, for the listeners, I want you to, when you listen to this, listen how many times Thomas mentioned customers, customer empathy, driven by customers, help them achieve their goals. Uh, I think there was only one Steve Jobs, and it still took him seven years to, to build his products. Uh, he did it without a whole lot of customer input. But I think the leaders of the future will be those that are able to understand their customers, their priorities, how you help them achieve their goals, and put customers as their end objectives, whether it's working with their engineers or at the executive level. I want to thank everybody for listening today. Thomas, I want to thank you for what was a brilliant session. I caught myself writing notes uh, that I was going to, to uh, put into my playbook for the future as well. And I look forward to see our uh, hearing from our listeners uh, again within the next quarter for the next Chambers Talks. Have a great day. And Thomas, thank you once again for being so kind to join us today.